Hello, everyone. Ursula the Sea Bitch here. Uh, I'm here with Condi Nasty and one of our besties, Oblivia. Hi, Oblivia. And we're going to get to the first episode of this season of All Stars in a few minutes. But uh, kind of like last week, the world is still what it is. And we thought it was important that we kind of talk about that because it is important to talk about both for the world and to put Drag Race in its proper context. Um, so right from the start, let me say I support all of the protests going on right now. And to the extent that I think any of those protesters were also any of the looters, and I obviously don't think that that was a one-to-one -one overlap, that is not the primary problem we should be focusing on right now. Uh, the need to end systemic violence against people of color is. Um, it's been a rough week for me. It was a rough week last week. It was a better week this week because if nothing else, I feel like it felt like progress got made as small as things are. Like I just read that Minneapolis is canceling its contract with between uh, to have its police department be the school security in their school system. And I think stuff like that, that's like the real tangible stuff that you can make happen right now. Uh, so seeing that start to happen has been really encouraging and kind of helping me process the anxiety of living in this time. For me, the big moment in the last week that is going to be like in any big time in history, you always have like the tiny thing that sticks with you because that's how the human brain processes big events. Uh, and for me, it was Nicole Byer posting on Instagram that a fan had sent her a message, you know, we're just keeping our heads down and watching Nailed It. And that that had really upset her because the fan meant it as a compliment. But it was like, you know, well, you'll consume the media I make, but you won't stand up to the you know, world that might shoot me for taking my cell phone out of my purse. And that one really stuck with me because it's, it's, it's something, it's a conversation that happens in drag a lot of, you know, how, how are the, how is this art being made primarily by queer people of color being consumed by people who are not? Um, so I, I, I agree with Nicole Byer and I am sad that she is sad because her whole fucking brand is being happy. That's like literally what she does. And, uh, through most of coronavirus, her 95 podcasts have really gotten me through. But it's important to then say, because you, in order for you to keep making this art that I love, you have to be treated with respect and dignity and kindness and safety in the world at large. Um, so, uh, and the, the other thing I've seen a lot all week is, I think, uh, like, uh, Shay and Angina were the two that I saw yesterday was that they were talking about on their Instagram, how do they promote themselves at this time when promoting yourself feels shallow at best and ignorant at worst. Um, but I think, and I think Shay said it best in hers where this is a show made by queer people of color, not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera. And that celebrating that work is good. It is good both because, you know, you can't be focused on any one thing 24 hours a day. That's not, that's not possible. Uh, so both is like self-care and elevating the work of the people who are the most vulnerable and marginalized in our society, I think, is good. Sorry, that, that just turned into like a whole monologue of a lot of my feelings. So, Condi, what do you think about things? <laughs> um, I am very happy to see the changes that are occurring. Um, Hersla, you and I both grew up on the south side of Chicago and are now very much north side gay yuppies. Um, and I think a lot of our friendship probably, there's a space where the duality there that we share is something that connects us. I think for me, 
growing up in a place where I had close relationships with um, people of color from as early as I can remember, I do think that at least for being a gay white man, I tend to be a lot more comfortable in a lot more diverse spaces and mindful of issues those communities face and comfortable talking about race and racial issues. That's actually something I've struggled with on hosting this podcast is that um, I love that Monique Hart is so, like, such a beautiful, talented, funny Black drag queen who comes deeply from, like, Black American culture and celebrates it. And I think as a gay white man, there's always a struggle with, I love this about her. And I there's nothing at all diminishing in that praise. But not everybody always sees that. And... I mean, there's tons of research to show this. For millennials in particular, they sort of grew up at a time when they were told to not acknowledge race, to pretend to be race blind, which no one truly is, and to never speak about it. And if anybody does speak about it, their response is to assume that person is some in some way racist. Even if they're talking about systemic injustice, even if they're talking about somebody celebrating their culture and them thinking it's beautiful. And I think for a lot of reasons that has kept a lot of people from participating in the Black Lives Matter movement or doing more when they see systemic injustice to make calls to politicians, to police departments, to demand change. And I think we are all seeing and discussing right now that it is not the job of the oppressed to fix the problems of the oppressor. Um, And suddenly there is a lot of dialogue happening from a lot of people And I think that is great, and it is very important. Um, And I also feel like it is important that people of all walks of life right now are saying, this is not okay. Accordingly, we are inevitably seeing some voices pushing back, criticizing white gays for caring now, or just posting uh, like a, you know, pro-Black Lives Matter picture on Instagram and doing nothing else, or who are you to say this? Like, you're not a person of color. There will always be on social media those naysayers and pushback people. That's always going to be, there's always going to be some voice that says that. And I want to say now, it is very important to keep your eyes on the prize and not let that discourage you from taking civic responsibility. Systemic injustice within this society is all of our responsibility. And it is unfair to put the burden on the most affected and marginalized people. Um, And so I just want to say that I am very happy to see the movement for change that is taking place in the world. And I hope that we continue to see it. Um, And I also think it is important to note that a lot of the looting that has happened in a lot of the major cities is being perpetrated by people who are not part of this movement at all. Um, And we know that. Do not get stuck in the weeds of dissecting or defending that. There's always going to be opportunistic assholes raiding a convenience store because they want to during periods of chaos. That is not what this is about. It is about basic civil human rights. It is about the right to not be killed by law enforcement in your country. Um, Oblivia, do you have any thoughts you'd like to share? You bring up a great point about people of our generation 
perhaps a little older, perhaps a little younger, being brought up to not talk about, to not talk about race, to say, oh, we're colorblind. And that's not the case. We can't, we can't be colorblind. We can't, especially living in a society that still has so much prejudice, so much different treatment systematically based on race, particularly so much anti-blackness. And I've always been of the opinion that having a word for something makes so much makes it so much better, particularly, you know, maybe the writer in me, but I like having words for things and it ties into ties into my queer experience, it ties into my gender experience. Having a word for it makes it so much makes it so much more concrete to process to figure it out and try to make concrete changes both at a personal level and at a broader level and if we've spent so many years just being like not wanting to talk about race not wanting to say in so many words that people are being treated differently still people are being killed still because they're black how are we going to make any sort of changes if we can't talk about it in those terms. And the one thing that's giving me hope within the last week or two, we've still got a long way to go, but so many people who I follow on Twitter, who I know on Facebook, who have either posted the colorblind rhetoric over the years or just stayed out of it, are finally getting to the point that they know we need to talk about it. We are talking about it in specific terms as race, in specific terms as black people are being killed by police at disproportionate amounts. And there's no way we're going to be able to talk about those systematic issues without having the language of race. And more than anything, that's that that's that's really what I wanted to say. We can't talk about this without having the words to talk about it and I'm glad that people are finally coming around to using the words that we've had all along but been afraid to use to talk about it. Yeah, and uh, I I like what you say about using words. Like I I think even like how we talk about racism like I think for a cer- for a certain swath of people racism is only do you feel personal dislike or hatred of a group and if you don't assess yourself as feeling that way then you're not a racist and there's and you have no further role to play racism is not just that it is a system that treats people differently consistently and those things build up over time uh so I'm glad I'm glad the the conversation does seem to be moving away from this assessment of well I don't see color so I can't be part of the problem to it doesn't it it doesn't really matter what I feel personally that's not the fulcrum on which this lever is moving it is a bigger problem with the system and then, and then just to the I I agree with everything you've both said about you know the like the discomfort or the hanging back the not wanting to get involved for not knowing how to be involved perfectly I think at this time, it's been really good to see people trying. And, you know, the de- even if we all agree on the end game, st- tactics and things are things we will disagree on. And 
or need to learn more about or will change as the situation changes. And it's important to stay involved through that discomfort and lack of absolute certainty of the best thing to do. Um, yes. So, yeah. I think I think staying quiet to avoid potentially upsetting someone and avoiding the issue altogether because you don't want to potentially make someone uncomfortable has always been a little bit cowardice. It is absolutely cowardice at this time in history and i encourage everybody to not let one naysayer who says who are you to speak on this discourage you from trying to better our society from taking actions that will actually have an impact that really matters it's okay to be wrong and to try your best with good intentions well, and on, and on that token, when someone says, here's information you don't have, or here's a piece of experience you don't have, be open to that. Yes. Like, it's a, like, that's important, too, uh, is learning how to listen and letting other, like, if it's, it, it is a balancing act between getting yourself involved, even knowing you can't do so perfectly, while still kissed. It, 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 it is, in a way, you, you have to be willing to make yourself vulnerable, and if you're in a position to where you can make yourself vulnerable in that way safely, then that, that's why the burden's on you to do that work. And that's something that I've been struggling a lot with and beating myself up about a lot because, yeah, as much as, as, much as I've been thinking about this for years, I mean it's been on my mind a lot since Ferguson and yet how many years have I spent thinking about it, but being afraid to talk about it, being afraid to get flamed on the internet for it. And that's on me. And part of me is hating the fact that it's taken until now, until George Floyd and things coming to a head after George Floyd and more people actually being willing to talk about it to make me willing to talk about it. I I can't undo those years of violent silence. But what I can do is force myself out of my comfort zone and talk about it more and be willing to face the be willing to face the conflict that I'm so averse to. And that's all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with that, I'd also like to encourage all of our listeners to, if you are feeling uninformed or uncertain, there are reading lists floating all over the internet right now. And I encourage you to educate yourself if you feel that you are not educated enough to speak out at this time but I encourage everybody to speak out in some way, be that giving money to bailout funds, going to protests, making calls to aldermen. There, there are things that you can do to take steps forward. Um, Ursula? Re- register to vote. <laughs> if you're not already, that's a big one. Um, yeah. Uh, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up by saying it's, however you can contribute is valid. Uh, I think uh, there are people who are not built for protesting, who I think feel a certain amount of guilt and that kind of arrests them from making the contributions they can make. 
it's important to, like, everyone can do something. No one can do everything. So find the thing you can do. Uh, because if enough people do even the tiny thing they can do, the collective result will be astonishing. Okay, Condi Nast, you know, I just spent literally five minutes trying to engineer a smooth transition from this topic into the show, and we discovered there isn't one. So we're going to wrap up this discussion, and we're going to start the show. This is a difficult subject. It is a necessary subject, and we all have to do what we can. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Condé Nasty, and I stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and the fight against systemic injustice. And I'm Hersula the Sea Bitch, and I just clicked confirm purchase on some Chez Coulee merch, and I think everyone should right now go find a black artist to give some of their money to. Go on. We'll wait. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hi, Hersula. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm better than last week. So that is something, you know, it was a, it was a low bar. <laughs> it um, was a low bar. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. We, every time this, uh, the new season starts, we're always like, oh, it's been, it's been, it's not enough time. We need more time. And it, yes, it was only a week ago, but that week feels like a million years ago. So it turns out if you want me to not notice how close the seasons are together, just cause crisis on crisis on crisis. That makes seven Earth days feel like a million years. <laughs> I also feel like um, between, I'll say that All-Stars 5, at least this cast of queens I love, feels like the salve we all need. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I also will say, you say that, I never say that. For years, I was like, I'll take four seasons of Drag Race a year. I just want them to be good. I only feel exhausted when it's bad. I'm excited when it's good. And this, so far, looks good. Yeah, um, fair, fair. And with that, we're, we are here to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 5, Episode 1, the premiere, and we are very excited to have a return guest, a very good friend of ours. Please welcome Oblivia. Hello! Yay! Yay! Hey! Thank you so much for coming. I'm very excited to have you here. Your um, your energy is truly exactly what I need, so I'm so excited to see you. Glad, glad to be there and glad my energy can be what you need. Yeah, um, I also, I am loving, loving your, at least over this video call, it looks like a deep magenta hair that you are rocking, and it is, it is gorgeous. It is stunning. I love it. I am envious. I might bleach my hair and dye it that color. It is, I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a deep magenta purple. I dyed it about two weeks ago before hosting an online pub quiz, because I couldn't go on and host an online pub quiz with grown-out brown hair with perhaps vaguely blue tips. That was not going to happen. I get it. You you have a respect for the pageantry of the gig. I get it. Exactly. Uh, all right. Um, and with that, let's get right into All-Stars 5. Um, Oblivia, what are your thoughts on the, walk, on the uh, queens entering the workroom? Well, it was very interesting just overall with the walk-in because there are some queens that I'm far more familiar with than others. The more recent queens, you know, season 10, 
I remember very well because season 10 was kind of my coming back into watching Drag Race on the regular. And I remember a lot of the older queens, but then there are a few queens in the middle who I am getting to know for the first time because I still kind of have this gulf in the middle of Drag Race of seasons I just need to go back to and watch. Okay, what seasons have you not watched or not rewatched in a while that you're saying this? I'm curious. Are you, like, not really familiar with Katya? I'm not really familiar with Katya, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, all right. Um, we're going we're gonna to set up some viewing parties. Um, all right, continue. Yeah, I mean, and I, I haven't gone back and rewatched the old seasons, so the older queens are not super fresh in my mind, although I do remember them. Um, except for Mariah, which is kind of weird because I've seen season three. I remembered the other season three queens on the episode. I don't remember Mariah. She came in and I'm like, who? Yeah, I get it. I get it. But yeah, so as far as the queens for this episode, the ones I really didn't know, I didn't know Shea Coulee. I didn't know Derek Barry. And I knew, I knew the rest of them, but those were the two that I'm like, Okay, you are new to me, and I'm just getting to know you. Oh, honey. You're in for a treat. You're in for a treat. Goose Island has recently paired with Miss Shea Coulee for a Shea Cool Ale, a refreshing summer ale that they've created. And they've done this because um, Shea Coulee, as far as I'm concerned, is like the pride of Chicago, the queen of Chicago, in the way that the Harry Potter books uncomfortably, it's like, what are Gryffindor? Everything fucking great. Shea Coulee is everything fucking great. Miss Cracker was not wrong when she said, she's smart, she's talented, she's gorgeous, funny. And the worst part, she's a wonderful human being. I hate that bitch. Shea Coulee <laughs> is fucking it. I am so excited. Like, you have no idea to me. This is, like, I'm so excited. I think this might be the best All-Star since... All-Stars 2, I'm suspecting, and as far as I'm concerned, I am watching Shea Coulee, Miss Cracker, and Jujubee fight for the crown with a cast of other talented queens nipping at their ankles the whole time. Like, Shea Coulee is it for me. So, we're gonna watch season 9, we're gonna watch season 7, we're gonna have a good time. Yeah, Sorry, and- I'm, li- like, I'm like, I'm monologuing you, missionary zeal here, I apologize. <laughs> I know, Sorry, when, you, when you said you hadn't seen season nine, I literally almost did that, like, nerdy Star Wars thing of, like, you're not a real fan. Like, no, 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 no. everyone's fandom is valid, but you do need to watch season nine. It's a joy. And we <laughs> say this because we love you, and it is important to, to us that you engage in acts of self-care. And experiencing the joys, artistry, pageantry, etc. of RuPaul's Drag Race season nine is a, should be a vital part of your self-care routine. <laughs> so, sounds like I need to go back and watch season nine then. I apologize for my missionary zeal. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm glad that it's missionary zeal about a drag queen and not, not a drag queen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's always the moment where it's like, I'm so excited. This is great. I love you. And thus I want you to experience this great thing. And then there's a moment where it's like, Am I bullying this person now? Um, it's way but... better than the other moment when you're so excited, you're so excited, you're so scared. Yeah. I, I, I need more Elizabeth Berkeley references in my life. Uh, <laughs> I was so happy when Shay came in first and like first into the room. That felt very right to me. 
Oh, completely. I'm like, completely. I, I know it's not even like they could have re-edited it to like do that in this. Like she had to be the first one in the room. She was in the room by herself. So that was just lucky happenstance. But it was just, yes, I want Shea Coulee here now. And I want her to be gorgeous and amazing. And yes. Ugh. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Hersla, what did you think as a whole of the walk-ins? It was it was really good overall. Um, I'm looking, I'm skimming through the photos because you know, even though I watched it 36 hours ago, my memory is not what it used to be. Uh, well, while you do that, I'll <laughs> drop a couple of my thoughts. I love Angina. I thought she was so cute in her outfit. She is just kind of an adorable human being, um, and I love her. Um, I have to say Juju and Alexis, I think, are very strong queens, but both of their entry looks, I was like, oh, honey. The fear with the early season queens is they're not going to know how to step step it up for what the competition is now. And if they're really smart, talented, and funny, there's that part of me that's like, oh, but I want you to be a viable competitor, and I know you can be. And both of their entry looks for me, it was like, I'm so excited to see you here. Also, that off-the-rack look, Juju, is not an entry look. Not an All-Stars 5. I don't. I, I was more receptive to Jujubee's look than Alexis's. My my problem with Alexis, and there's no way to say this without sounding like an enormous asshole, so I'm just going to lean into it. Alexis is contouring for her old face. That is accurate. That is accurate. Um, you're right. You're right. You're right. Like, as far as the as far as the entry looks for Alexis and Jujubee, I mean Alexis came in, and I think. I didn't love her look. I didn't hate it. All I the, the most I could say was this is on brand, which spoiler alert was basically what I had to say about Alexis Mateo the entire episode. Juju B, yeah, I guess the look was a little off the rack, but I loved how it fit her. I loved how the hooks looked. I loved just the funereal shade of her entire entrance and you I know was what I would have delighted. Go ahead, um, that makes sense. Talking about it, I do feel like she was intentionally, like, gray and black and a little bit like, I'm the old bitch returning. I wish it was a little more Miranda Priestly from The Devil Wears Prada going to a funeral in, like, a chic black Chanel suit looking garment. Like, something where it was a little, like, that rich bitch going to your funeral who doesn't really care. Well, for, for me, I, I like Jujubee's energy because both in her entry look and... I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but for her uh, performance, there's this very kind of like, I can hold the room while not doing a lot, while not being big. Completely. And that's Completely. a really fun energy. And it's and it's a different one than the other very good queens are serving. So I'm, I'm kind of into it where it's like, like yeah, Jujubee can be like, oh yeah, I'll do this, I'll do this tiny ballad in this, in this simple dress, yeah. but I will still hold the room. Yeah. Um, other hits for uh, Crackers was fine. It fit, just felt kind of fine. I loved it, uh, but I love like a like a here's little peaks of these feathers just poking out just so far. Those are ostrich feathers, right? Or marabou feathers? Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that, and I love that like mint green, that like pale mint green. Yeah. Um, it's the but I always struggle with this where it's like. How great is this versus how much is this, like, something that I always love, you know? Um, the one who I was just 
gagging over coming in. And perhaps this is because I was so excited to see her come back and it was not what I expected and yet everything that I needed. Blair St. Clair. I lost my mind when I found out that she was coming back for All-Stars 5 because I love her. And to have her come in as like bitchy Blair St. Clair as opposed to innocent 10-year-old Blair St. Clair. Oh, I was living for every moment of it. The look was surprisingly sassy. The bitchiness was so much fun. I'm like, I lived for Blair St. Clair's entry. I think it's safe to say that she's changed and that fame has changed her. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is interesting to see because she was so, I'm like an innocent musical theater gay from Indianapolis who loves his mom, you know, and like goes to church. And now I'm like, I'm a bad bitch and I'm going to make dirty sex jokes. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> she, You can tell she spent time with detox since her season. Yes, yes, you can. Um, in terms of, because I am me, I now have to say the looks I didn't like. Um, I didn't like India's. I thought it was weirdly proportioned because it was like, you can do this kind of big voluminous thing and that's very drag, but somehow it's like there's not enough differentiation between the bust and the shoulder poofs. So it looks like that three-breasted woman from Total Recall is now a four-breasted woman wearing this outfit. Yes. And it's... The thing is, I feel like in the drag race fandom, people get, like, um... You know, we see a certain type of wig worn a lot one season, and then somebody wears it the next. Everyone's like, that look is tired. And I'm like, "Eh, not really. Not if it works well for this person. I feel like India Farah's look was so old drag that it might be, like, new again. Like, it was so old... Like, late 90s pageant old. 80s pageant old. Like, it's so old it feels like a period piece to me. Yeah, just, there's something, like, the boobs need to be smaller or their shoulders need to be made out of something else because it's just weird. There's something about, (laughs) there's just something about these proportions that is in the uncanny valley for me. Yes. Um, okay, okay, so, Derek. Sweet Derek. What were you thinking? It was really interesting that he was talking this big game about trying not to be Britney, and he comes in, and it's all Britney all the time. I mean, and what's weird is this isn't even good Britney. Like, the the beige bodysuit. We have very different feelings, and Oblivia is new to Derek, so please... Fully articulate your statement, and I will respond. Um, there is nothing. There is no man behind the curtain uh, for Derek Barry. I so Derek got read a lot, justifiably so, in her original season for serving nothing but Britney and kind of failing spectacularly when she tried to do anything else. So I understand the desire to come back to All Stars to be like I have a style of drag that's not. Just Britney, but then why walk in looking like Britney from the VMAs? Like, this is, that's literally what that look is. And, and here's the thing. There is a, like, one of the drag houses, aside from, you know, pageant or, uh, like, Evie Od- whatever Evie Oddly's doing, is female impersonator. Not, ju- not just, like, 
dressing not you know femme but like specifically imper- like and celebrity impersonation there's an arm of drag that is that kind of humor and that's what Derek does so it just seems like like, like and, and in the conversation toward the end of the show where she was like well if I wore that if I wore your dress I'd be Britney in this video and if I wore your dress I'd be Britney in that video because Britney has so many looks that any look she wears is going to get some kind of Britney callback accept that and then just do it happily and well and this was just kind of weirdly sad and deflated because it's like one it's like a beige column like it's not even a good riff on that britney look and she has like a bump it or a soccer ball or something under that wig glued to her head because there's a height there that makes her look like one of those crystal skull aliens okay so i would like to respond please derek barry put on drag for halloween in 2003 on a whim and dressed in Derek or in Britney Spears drag, which makes sense because almost all pre-drag race drag was gay boys who loved. I remember going out to gay bars in New York, Boston, Chicago from like 2005 to 2010. It was all Britney inspired. And he did that and realized so much of my facial structure looks so much like Britney Spears that he was quickly like, fast-tracked to a career as a drag Britney Spears impersonator in Las Vegas because he looked so much like Britney Spears in makeup. I think that Derek Barry would have to undergo plastic surgery, get fillers, make wild choices with his makeup, and get wigs. Obviously, the wigs, he's choosing Britney wigs. and, And would need a different wig collection in order to look anything not like Britney Spears. And so I do feel like there is a bit of if you're coming here and you're just doing Britney and you can't really do anything else and you don't have other stuff, and she was not performing as a whole at the level of the other queens in season eight by the time she left the remaining queens. Like, it makes sense. That criticism is real. But he's also literally the world's foremost drag Britney Spears impersonator by a long shot. And there were lots of them when he came up. And I feel like it is unfair to be harsh on him for looking like Britney, he looks like Britney. And f- to be harsh on him because his career came from looking like Britney. That's how his career happened. Um, I think if, I think your point about coming... I think I also think that he is world famous as a Britney Spears impersonator. And he, had, he was well before this show. I knew his name before season eight. He came in looking like Britney Spears. It was the most basic and one-dimensional Britney, and he could have done something more fun. But, like, he's going to come in as Britney. I think his goal was to still look the way he looks in drag, but be able to perform and do, like, different colored wigs for different challenges. But he's coming in what, which what, with what is his signature and most known and most excellent drag, which is Britney Spears impersonation. And what? I feel like we as fans in the show are too harsh on him for being a Britney impersonator as well as a drag queen. Oh, no. I, like like we talk about when we talk about other kinds of drag and other kinds of drag queens, I think the umbrella is very large. It's not that I don't think building a career out of being a good Britney Spears impersonator isn't valid. It is. But his, his thesis statement walking into the room was literally, I want to show I am more than Britney but then did not do that. Had he That's said, the editors. He, of course, would have said that in the confessional. That does not negate him deciding it was an optimal choice to come in representing 
Britney. That was the producers choosing to put that soundbite in there, not Derek Barrick Barry saying, here is the soundbite I want you to say when I come in. That was them. And of course he's going to say that at some point in the confessionals. All right, I'll, so I'll why get, would I hold that against him? Good point. And, and maybe it's just because I don't, and again, maybe I just don't think this particular iteration of the Britney look was very well rendered. And I'll Oh, get, I agree. It was way too basic. He should have done something more fun, more iconic, more colorful, a nude bodysuit, like Right. Like the so, terror. It was so basic that that critique is real. Doing Britney, I am not going to criticize Derek Barry for doing Britney. If there's a challenge where it's like you really need to not look like Britney and wear a different color wig, like, and he doesn't do that, he shows up and he makes Hit Me Baby One More Time comments looking exactly like Britney Spears, like, then yes, clock him. So Ricky Martin comes in to do the reading challenge and, well, Rue announces the change in the rules, which. I find interesting, and obviously we get a further update on that later. Um, Ursula. Actually, let's just talk about the general change of the rules. Ursula, what do you think of the change of the rules? Because I know you're always concerned about the machinations. Um, It's kind of weird, but I'm kind of okay with these rules because they're so dumb and complicated and dumb that I, I have no investment in them at all. There is no sense that there's even a veneer that this is calibrated to ensure the best queen wins. And the lip sync assassin thing is weird. And I'll save it for when, when Evie shows up, but I have, I have thoughts on that, but I don't know. Like, I'm like, you know what? If you don't want to judge this yourself, which why is Rue so hesitant to want to judge the all-stars? Like just judge them. Just, he wants the machinations. He wants the drama. He can turn it into 90 compelling minutes. Yes. It's because he likes the drama. Like, yeah. It's very so, clear in interviews. So it's just, this is so, this is like watching a soap opera where yes. it's like, it, it, it's, that's the goal. Like, and that's fine because since we've laid it out so explicitly and such to an exaggerated height, the, some, the very complicated rule system, like you need like a star chart and a slide rule to like chart these things um so yeah i'm i'm fine with it to the extent that it's so dumb that i won't even emotionally respond to the weird decisions i'm sure it will render because like the jury thing felt like a real slap in the face to shangela and a real left turn for the season in a way that made me retroactively mad about my emotional investment to that point and most of the viewership, yeah. But now it's like, like, like the show pretended to be smart about this until it was very dumb about it in Shangel- in All Stars three. Now I know they're going to be dumb about it right from jump. So if if Shay goes home next episode, I will not be mad at the show because I know there's just no dots being connected at all in terms of output to whatever. Like, nope, uh, no emotional attachment of any kind. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, that makes sense to me, strangely. Um, it is like, it's so far now that before it was like the machinations meant that it wasn't really being judged fairly and it was like close enough to being judged fairly with it, like it's a pure council that it was still upsetting. Now it's so far gone that it's like, this is not designed to have the best queen win. I would much rather it go back to a place where it is being judged and it's more about the drag than the, the like, yeah internal politics um that that is the removal of the machinations i would prefer 
Strangely, I thought I would be pissed because I was like, more machinations. Instead, I actually feel exactly the way you do. Like, it's so far now that I'm like, how invested can I be in these decisions? What, right. do, what do you think, Oblivia? Pretty much the same as you two think. I know that these last couple seasons of Drag Race All-Stars haven't... They've been more about the machinations than the best queen winning. And this is going to lead to more interesting machinations or at least more content that they can put out or select from around the machinations. I'm... Looking forward to the lip sync assassin. Like, do I think it's necessarily fair as far as part of finding the best queen? No. But is it going to be a lot of fun to see these lip sync assassins pop up through the season? Yes. That's going to be delightful. And I cannot wait to see who comes back to be lip sync assassins. And, you know, I'm I'm really hoping for something super shady like Alexis Mateo having a lip sync against Vanjie or something. Like... I am looking so forward to weird stuff like that going down. Yeah, now, no, me, me too. Now I want to see that. Uh, so Cameron Michaels is one of the assassins, right? Yes. I mean, literally. Yes. <laughs> Cameron I mean, Michaels had better come back. Here like, is hoping. Just, I'm just, yeah, just saying. Um, so what did you guys think of the reading challenge? Well, it was nice fan service to actually have a reading challenge. Thank you. Who? Yeah, they, she got that memo. <laughs> yeah. I on, honestly, I think that they at this point they're cutting out good reads for fear of like whatever online stuff. But they're like, but fat shaming is fine. So the reads that stay in are like all the fat shaming ones, which I was not crazy about. Um, but I, I thought Juju killed it. Like I love yes. Juju in a reading Yo, challenge. I will yeah. say this though before we get into more of the substance of the reading challenge. Granted, I am a little, like, out of the loop on music nowadays, so I haven't, like, seen him in a bunch of years. But, I mean, I guess that's what coming out of the closet will do. Ricky Martin glowed up. Like, I, like, I don't know what I was expecting older Ricky Martin to look like, but he glowed up. <laughs> it, it's yeah. something we don't tell the straights, but being emotionally honest with yourself uh, restores collagen. <laughs> but, yeah, as far as, as far as who I like, yeah, Juju B absolutely killed it that some stars read on mariah had me rolling on the floor <laughs> yeah she's oh she's such a shady bitch ggb and i love her oh my god love love that bitch uh meh miller got me <laughs> exactly how i feel exactly how i feel so that was fun Oh, I mean, um, speaking speaking of Mehem Miller, one comment that I didn't make on the walk-in that I'm going to make now is, you know, she comes back and she talks about, like, not pushing herself the first season. And it's like, you didn't push yourself the first season because you already thought you were drag evolved. And th- this, I, I say that just because this whole episode, I thought Mehem Miller was totally meh in her season. And as we go on with this episode, I'm going to have some complicated feelings about Mayhem Miller. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And other than Jujubee, my favorite was Blair. She, like, she was funny and mean. She <laughs> it's also funny was... to hear her be mean. Yes! Yeah. I love that so much. I, I was delighted by Blair's as well. And spoiler alert, Jujubee and Blair were declared the winners and they deserved it. 
Yeah, it's still weird that Blair looks like a 10-year-old boy from, like, a 1920s animated short. Like, not just, like, a human 10-year-old boy. But now that got punched in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't help the... the, the, Like, it doesn't make her look older. (laughs) Nope, it does not. Just weirder. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, So, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the talent show. Have you tried not... For those times when you feel like offering an opinion on the internet on a subject you only just learned about on Wikipedia, always remember, you could not. For those times when you feel like bombarding the mentions of an actor just trying to make a living because you're mad about something a writer, a totally different human being did, you could not. When you find yourself about to lecture a member of an historically oppressed minority about their life experience, all you have to do is just not. It's not, and it's available anytime, anywhere, and it's the perfect way not to show your entire ass to the entire internet all at once. Just remember that not every thought, opinion, or feeling you have needs to be fucking expressed the minute your fucking brain creates it, and you too can just not. Not. Because you shouldn't. And now back to the show. And we're back to talk about the talent show in All Stars 5 premiere. Persola, what did you think of the talent show? It was good. It wasn't as good as All-Stars 2 talent show overall, but that's a very high wall to clear, and I won't yep. be too mad at that. Um, personal favorites, Mariah? Like, if you had said, Ursula, I'm going to name 12 queens. Point to the queen you think would most successfully pull off this Marie Laveau-inspired spoken word performance about the violence of slavery. I would not have picked Mariah right off the top of my head. But I wouldn't she, have picked her from a list of a hundred, like, <laughs> n- like, never. Like, there was Really surprised me. Go on, like, sorry. Uh, I don't, and I don't know if it was just the the mix in the episode, just like the, the audio seemed to be like, the backing track was like overwhelming her a little, but I had the closed captions on because I like to, I like subtitles, I like to read while I watch TV. Um, Same. But... Oh my god, I, I kind of think that should have been in the top. It was for one of those, like, that was up there for me, like, with Tatiana's uh, spoken word effort, where I was just like, there was something, like, the the instincts on display in how, how that was portrayed, you know, the white dress with the red paint, the, the handprint smeared on the glass, like, there was something really bold and graphic, uh, almost like a, like a comic book or something, where it just... There was a real beautiful, haunting image at the core of that piece that she managed to give us pretty much flawlessly in a way that I'm like still thinking about. Totally. I completely agree with you. I thought it was great. And she did it very well. I think her performing it was like at an eight, but the message was a 10. And I think Rue never really rewards that. She's looking for frivolous fun. And... I also felt like Rue looked very nervous about what that red paint was doing to her set, but I was very moved by it, as was Ricky Martin. Oblivia, what did you think? It was interesting. It was surprising. It was compelling. I was not expecting to see a performance like that on Drag Race, specifically because, like you mentioned, Rue tends to like the, you know, more frivolous, fun stuff and is always as wary as he is to get involved in anything vaguely controversial. And I am glad that 
I'm glad that Mariah had the guts to go out and do that, and it was effective. It was absolutely effective and affecting. Yes. Um, for sure. Um, what else did you guys think about the talent show? Other highs and lows. You don't have to run through everything. No, no. I, I, I wanted. To, I liked Shay's. I wanted to love Shay. Totally. I think I have to balance myself. I love her so much, and she is such a stunning queen that I've placed this expectation that every single moment of her, every single performance will be a transcendental experience. And I'm like, that's that's not fair to do to a human being. I agree. Totally. <laughs> so um, I felt the same way. It was underwhelming because I've, I've seen lots of really talented people who grew up like doing gymnastics, become strippers and work a pole. Like, so you really have to know what you're doing for me to be, but it was like sensual and sexy it's not like it was a bad performance, and I think the intimacy of a bar, it would really change the mood. Yes. And I would give her lots of dollars. I, I On th- television, it kind of felt like low energy and slow-ish. Yeah, I thought that too, where I'm like, yeah, in a, in a bar, in person, this has to kill. In and a I, bar, I would give her $20 and also question my sexuality because I would want to fuck her. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> Juju Bees was kind of like that for me. Like, I think it was really good. But I think it is, again, one of those, this would, in a bar, in a little cabaret setting, this would murder people. Where See, I, like, still, I still thought even in the, in the stage setting that Juju B brought the house down. Like, I oh, was sh- shocked that same. Juju B was not in the top three. Same, same. Totally. Juju to me, A, Juju B won this. Um, I'll, we'll get to that later. I have my, like, tops. But for me, Juju won this. And... I hear what you're saying, Hersla, but what stood out to me is actually what you said at the top of the episode about Juju like being able to have a commanding presence without it being feeling over the top. Yeah. And I feel like Juju is a star. Oh, like, yeah. The look wasn't overwhelming, but it was good. Her vocals were good. Her presence really emoted that. Like, that... Yeah affected the room it affected me on the other side of the television screen i was really impressed yeah i i liked miss cracker it wasn't it wasn't like a 10 for me but it was like she's fun and she knows what makes her funny and i i am hoping that she got the like you know katya therapy since her season to like calm down and get out of her head and really land a more relaxed buoyant set of performances so this seemed to indicate that the pickle was funny it's one of those is it the most original thing nope but i do appreciate a queen who knows her her references it it was like monique hart has brown cow stunning cracker has the pickle this is the way of things That's <laughs> like <laughs> this is the way oh i mean the the pickle the pickle was funny i liked like how she put her body into it, you know. I yeah. felt like I felt like there was a certain physical comedy aspect to it that was really landing for me in her little pickle vaudeville. Totally, totally. Have either of you seen her live? No, no. She does this very well, where like it's like a really energetic, like stage and walking through the crowd kind of performance, where it's like high energy number. She's dancing. It's comedy, but also high energy dancing, and that's another. That's like a. Walking that line and continuously, effectively doing both. You know, you got to be a real pro to do that. She does it very well. And I, she also, she garners lots of tips. Um, she's a lot of fun. 
one we haven't talked about yet, which I understand maybe it's a question of my own personal aesthetic, but the one that landed for me as a talent show act, even better that like perhaps landed with me more than any of the other ones. Yeah. Mayhem Miller. Absolutely Tell me about it. loved Mayhem Miller. Like she comes out, she has this surprising queen of the damned affect going on totally and was not expecting that to go to like just this sassy rap routine with this queen of the damned aesthetic and i just i think it was more about the aesthetic than anything else but that sucked me in i wasn't expecting it from Mayhem Miller because, I mean, through her season and even kind of her entrance, I think the Mayhem Miller read was perfectly accurate. And then, you know, she comes out and finally, for the first time since I've ever seen her, does something that sucks me in and does something that was surprising enough to suggest that, okay, maybe she's not like rolling in and thinking that she's already drag evolved and doesn't have to do anything interesting loved mayhems i thought it was good and it she lost steam towards the end and was inarticulate yeah i agree with your statement on it as a whole i think except like she lost steam at the end in a way that it like really brought it down and i feel like if she just like her if her elocution was like just tighter at the end it would have been like you know you wouldn't have even really noticed yeah and i feel like it it was hard because the aesthetics was good. She knew what she was doing in terms of that and setting a mood and kind of changing the way you were focusing and sort of experiencing her. But I think losing that elocution at the end made it in the end feel like meh when there was so much going for it. And that sucked for me. Like, cause I, I feel like I watched the show and like, obviously we like were fastidious gays who dice over dissect this. Hi, that's the show. But, um, I do feel like, for me, it's like I want her to do well, and it was rough for it to be like, this is so good! Articulate at the end! Oh. But, yeah. Um, any other thoughts, Ursula? Angina's made me sad. Um, Same. Same. It was just like, I liked her idea, I liked the Drag Race riff, I liked the, the looks individually and collectively, but she lost the thread... And it and showed. she wasn't even, lip, like, she wasn't lip singing to it. Yeah. And if she was, like, passably, like, mutter talking. Well, she's so tiny and was moving so much. If she was passably, and you know she knows those words. If she was just, like, saying it while she went, would have been a completely different read yeah. of the experience. And it just, ma- it just made me sad because I want to, I, since season one and her tearful confession of her hiv status on that state i have i i want to make sure angina's okay i over the last 10 years i will randomly and with no prompt of any kind my brain will volunteer i wonder what angina's doing and i hope she's okay because that is the person she is i just oh god i'm like we all have rough days we all have a lot of rough days and i'm hoping this is like i hope this is the shot in the arm not the like I, I hope this gets her to a better place next week, not derails her next week. Yes. I was I was sad that her reading... To me, she had the worst performance in both the reading and the talent show. And that made me sad because I clocked her for top half. Yeah. And I, I really like her and I want 
good things for her and I want to see her do well. And this episode made me feel like that is like the eight ball says out good. Not so look, not so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I know you wanted to talk about Derek. Maybe it was the edit, but Derek's was a wet fart for me. It was just the, the, the no, no, a good impression shouldn't require you say who it is at the top of every impression. It should be clear from context clues. There needs to be time to let the joke sink in. And there have to be jokes. Um, this is one of those... Like, there's a kernel of a great idea in there. Like, if it had worked, it is it would have been a gag. Because you have a queen who gets read all the time for only having... For doing this one impersonation. And if her talent were doing a bunch of impersonations. That's funny. I agree, and I think she does this and has worked it into her Vegas show to make a point. It just did not happen here in front of us in a way that was uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> so, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna respond, please. I think all of her impression the worst was like a five on average. I would say they were like an eight or a nine. I would have clocked all of them without her saying the name. They were funny lines that those people say. She did not put pacing for us to, like, pause and enjoy the laugh. She, like, rushed through to get through a bunch of them in, like, a short time span, which made it not so funny. For me, I'm going to be honest, like, and, like, with you, it's funny, because I feel yeah. like I, like, I'm a Derek Barry stan, and I'm not at all. <laughs> I, I, I respect Derek Barry. He's nowhere near one of my favorite queens, but I respect him. For me, it was middle of the pack. And I think in a live show with time, being like, I'm the world's premier drag Britney Spears impersonator, and I'm famous for that. But I'm going to do interstitial, like, decent impersonations of other famous people, I think would actually go really well with an audience since you try to crowd them all together. For me, it was middle of the road because the impressions were actually good, on average. And I, I thought bottom was like, what? Um... So who do you think were the, who, who were your bottom, what, bottom two, bottom three? There What's was the bottom a bottom situation? three and a, there, there was a bottom, or a top three and a bottom three. Yeah, it was Angina, Mayhem, and Derek. And for me, it was Mayhem and Angina, and I don't know who I would pick for third. Well, you, 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 you do have Jujubee on your side, so. Yeah, my, my top three would have, my top three would have been... I, I know, you know, <laughs> no, I'm about to get my butt whooped for this, but Cracker Juju B and Mayhem were my top three. I love, we've been friends for what, 40, 50 years now. And Fair I bouts. love that you're the, I love that you're the contrarian. You, 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 you like, your favorite liquor is Malort. And I think that really kind of just ties a bow <laughs> on everything. <laughs> it truly does. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm i not going to... So the thing is, Mayhem started so strong and the fizzle really killed it for me. You feeling yeah. like the fizzle didn't I kill was, it for you I, I, is, like, valid. I was so I'm taken not, in I'm that not, the fizzle didn't we, even register. Whatever. Yeah, totally. I get it. I get it. For me, Alexis Mateo really killed it. We haven't talked about her yet. I thought what she did is, like, almost like a classic and a cliche, and she did it flawlessly the whole perfectly, way through. yeah. And to me, that was top three and exactly what I would expect from Alexis Mateo. I, as much as I said early in this episode, I, I'm thinking it's going to be a race between Cracker, Shay, and Juju, and I am here for it. 
I think Alexis is is going to be up there with those girls, and I'm excited. Yeah, I've I've had a soft spot for Alexis since season three because I appreciate the girl who does the work, and it's clear in every possible way Alexis Mateo is like the hardest working drag queen. Yeah, in the world, yeah. Yeah. and I pre- I respect that work ethic. And her obvious talent. Like, yeah, she she's never going to quite get the love because what she does is stuff we've seen before, but she does it really well. And, it, and with passion. Yeah. And I think, again, and much like we said with the other queens, in a room, I bet Alexis Mateo is, like, is just the center of gravity in whatever bar she's at. Like, Totally. Totally. Um, so, so, Oblivia, you said your top three. Ursula, who are your top three? Uh, Juju... Mariah and Alexis. Yeah, I'll throw. Yeah, I think I think Mariah should have stayed on that stage for a little. Like, I don't know. Like that. Like, and maybe it's just the moment. Maybe I would have slightly different feelings if the world weren't where it's at right now. But you know, but I've I, I, that image is still stuck in my head. There was some. It was there's something. There was something very direct and. It was it was brutal, but it wasn't. I, I I'm struggling to find the words to say, the, like the hand smearing the paint on the glass, just got to me. Like it just, I don't know. There's something very thoughtful, quiet, and that really landed with that. And I wanted that piece to get more more love. Uh, than yeah, it did. no, it's viscerally effective. Thank you. There was like there was the word visceral. And, that was the word. Thank you. And I think it would be at any time. And it is even more now. Um, for me, she was like probably number four, but I also feel like, yeah, like she's very good. Like she obviously, like it makes sense that she's up there for you for sure. Yeah, um, that's the thing about like dissecting like totally different subjective art in a competitive way. It's like ha- apples and oranges all the time. But yeah, no, makes so, sense. So here's something I've just noticed: all of our of all our top three, top four, top halves, whatever. We haven't even discussed the person who actually won. And I think that says something <laughs> about what was going on in this episode. She did very good doing something classic. I, th- I thought she did very good. Um, it makes sense. I think I just dislike her enough that I'm like, eh. Whereas like with Alexis, I like her and we've seen it before, but it was like what we've seen before being t- competently done. But like so much so that I'm like, top three. I don't know. Like... Like India, her her dance was entertaining enough. Um, the offsided fringe on her outfit, I didn't think was working at all. I couldn't stand that. I was amazed that her wig stayed on when she was, you know, thrashing her head around six ways from Sunday. That was impressive. And it was while she was doing that was when it hit me that just the way the episode was edited with just. Every two seconds, they seemed to be talking about the beef between Derek and India. And that's really when it hit me. Like, oh, they really, like, they're making the most of this drama now because Derek's about to go home. It was very heavy for a premiere episode. And, yeah, it was also, it was just very much like, we want a story that the season three queens can compete. So that's what this was. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. So, who were your bottoms? I know I already talked about mine, but who were your bottoms? My bottom two were pretty obvious. I 
Angina and Derek were the two that just really didn't land for me. And I thought they were the two that should have been deciding between to go home. Um, If I were sorting them out for a bottom three, I... It was really tough for me to pick a third, but the one I landed on just because I know it's an art, but it really didn't land for me. Maybe it was partially the venue. Maybe it was just that it didn't feel like the act had an arc. Shea would have been my other bottom three, just because I know pole is an art, but in the context of this talent show, it just didn't feel like it had enough of an arc of a performance and it just didn't land. Okay. Was that her original song she was lip singing to? I think so. Okay. Yeah. And didn't she say that she just started taking pole dancing classes like 10 weeks before coming back to All-Stars? Like, that... I don't know. Oh, maybe that was in the Untucked. I didn't even know there was Untucked for this. Well, for uh, my, my cable providers making me watch the Untucked because it just recorded the whole two-hour block when I said record this episode. So I'm watching Untucked I now. had no idea there even was one. Okay, yeah. go so, on. There's an Untucked. Uh, so... For, hey, for 10 weeks of lessons, you did pretty good. Um, and I like that you're still growing as an artist. That makes me happy. Um, it, it it did fall short. Um, maybe maybe my affection for and respect for Shay is rounding up a little, but whatever. It's my, it's half my show and I can do what I want. Um, I, my bottom... Uh, <laughs> I can't bring myself to say the words I would put on Gina in the bottom. I just can't. Like... <laughs> It's like it's like being mean to kittens. <laughs> it truly is. Yeah, I mean, I have my bottom two, and I feel like if I really... Like, I'm not going to comb through the other queens yeah. to be like, this one. Like, there are two where I'm like, definitely bottom two. And I, that's kind of it for me. I will say, the episode collectively, both with the setup and the choices made, it did kind of really drive home. None of this it matters. This is not... Like, tops and bottoms are not a real assessment apparently it's okay and i can kind of achieve a detachment now that makes sense all right and we're going to take a break and when we come back we'll talk about the lip sync isolated at home desperate for human contact but afraid of risking the other side of your front door wondering if you still remember the scent of a man distant daddy deliveries is here to help once a week we'll send a handsome silver fox to your home who will maintain six feet of physical distance and a world of emotional distance just like your real father. Do you find you miss the feeling of never being good enough? Do you ache for disapproving silence? Have you finally given in to the fact that you'll only ever love men who will never love you back? Distant Daddy Deliveries is here for you. And Reading Drag Race has a special offer code just for you. Go to the website and enter the code FREUDIAN for all your disapproving father figure needs. And for those of you looking for the opposite experience, we'll be setting up our other service where we send you an oversharing mother with no boundaries, whose well-intentioned support still sometimes feels oppressive like a weighted blanket, next week. All right, and we are back. So the conclusion is that India Farah won the challenge. She is the sole winner, because those are our rules now. And the bottom two are Derek Barry and Mayhem Miller. The queens make their way back to the workroom for some deliberations and machinations. What did you think, Ursula? I can't decide if I enjoyed watching the, like, pleading for their lives to the group of queens instead of just the, you know, pair of queens. Uh, it was a perfectly fine conversation. I, I do respect Jujubee for 
saying what she thought about who was going to be in the bottom. So, you know, girl has her opinions and she sticks by them. I respect that. What did, what did she say? I don't remember now. Oh, just that she thought on giant. She was surprised on giant. It wasn't in the bottom two. Again, maybe I'm conf- Let me back up. Maybe I'm conflating untucked. Okay. Anyway, um, I, I'll, I will say from a pure drama perspective, there was no, there, there was no sense of tension here because once Derek was in the bottom with India on top, I, I, I just didn't see the episode going anywhere else, you know? Same. And I, like, I would have sent Mayhem home before Derek. Interesting. Um, I, would yeah. I have said, if, if, if it were my lipstick, uh, I'll be honest, I'm, I am more intrigued, like, even if I don't think Mayhem is anything particularly revolutionary in drag, I'm more interested in seeing a little more from her than I would be from Derek. See, I don't feel that way, because I feel like Mayhem has always talked a big game and then been, like, good, but underwhelming, whereas I do think that, I do think Derek Barry is smarter and funnier than a lot of us know. His, I've, I've listened to, like, podcasts excerpts of his and he's smarter and funnier than i would expect so my honest feeling is i feel like Derek still has more to show us i believe and i do not believe mayhem is going to impress me this season Hmm. i like i would be shocked if mayhem did anything that impressed me this season but yeah if i had if i had to choose between who to send home Derek or mayhem i Obviously would have sent Derek yes. home, but that's kind of obvious given that I loved Mayhem's talent show performance. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes and sense. And I don't think she deserved to go home after that. That makes sense. All right, so now, now on to the reveal of the lip sync assassin. It was nice to see Evie in a more, like, drag state. Like, I thought her, her, uh look, her, like, sweatpants look from the finale was, was funny and a fun take on the yes. quarantine look. It was nice to get to see Evie so soon in full-on Evie drag. Yes. And I thought uh, the lip-sync song by Ricky Martin, Living La Vida Loca, was like the right... It was the right queen to choose. Who yeah. chose like a good look for this lip-sync. Yeah. So I thought it was... I, I'm honestly... If the production level in terms of choosing the song and the lip-sync assassin to come back is at this level... This season, I'm here. Like, I'm excited. Yeah, it was. Um, even if it's at that level, half the episode's great. What I really loved about it was that I thought this was a perfect one for Evie. You know, this is, you're thinking, you know, live in la vida loca. And you think of it as like, hey, you know, crazy party. I thought Evie put a very different, very Evie oddly spin on embodying loca in her lip sync. And... That was awesome. I was so happy to see Evie. It was so much fun to see what she did with it. It was it was classic Evie, and I'm here for classic Evie. Totally. She made the song feel more fun and weird than it ever has before. Truly. Yes. It was a gift. Like it like that was like the perfect song for her to do. And India tried. I I, I will acknowledge And she, did a good job. And did a good she job. She did a good job. But she was never gonna beat Evie Oddly doing that song. Like I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Totally. So and and it, but it was a great lip sync, even though Evie was like a step above India. India did a great job as well. Like yeah. I was highly entertained. So that all happens and then it is revealed that the girls voted for Derek to go home. And obviously you two think that was the right choice. I've obviously 
stood for Derek Barry way more than I ever thought I would on this podcast. Um, I didn't think it was the right choice because I didn't think she belonged at the bottom. But, like, it makes sense. Um, I thought she exited with the right level of grace and poking fun at the fourth wall. I, w- I, I have to give her that, her joke about, well, I might be back, you oh, never you? know. That was don't funny. like her. You don't like her. It's not just that you're like underwhelmed by her. You don't like her. Can, can I say? I think part of it is, and this is this is gay heresy, but I've never been a huge Britney stan either. And maybe that's yeah, what's coming. Like, like it's just it's not gay heresy. Okay, I've never been a big Britney stan either. I get that. Like, and maybe maybe I, I'm not a Britney stan. I'm only in its Britney bitch network stan. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I I am left cold. Okay, I got it, I got it. I mean, obviously, I have a higher opinion of Derek Barry than you do, um, but I'm getting the impression that that's a low bar to clear. Uh, uh, So, right. Um, And with that, so my only thing coming off this episode is, like, my my name is Condé Nasty. I'm looking for a runway moment. It's often my favorite part of an episode. Not always, but that usually. was weird. I did. I did. There's expect. no runway, and I am on one level a premiere episode with all the like. Here's the recap of me, and here's a talent show, and we're doing this, the machinations, and we're doing a lip sync. I'm like, I get on a premiere while you might cut out a runway. It's a lot of reintroduction. A lot's going on. I get it. However, if this is a norm for this season, I have notes that I would like to share. I. I do not approve. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the thing is, though, in All-Stars 2, they did a talent show and a runway. There was time for both. Yeah, but I think they, like, I think that they put more time into the other segments that existed and made a point to remove a runway. And I do feel like if you're going to remove a runway, this is an episode where it makes sense to remove a runway. It is reasonable to me. I would like to be very clear that I don't want any more of that. Yeah, I don't, that's that's where I am. I I don't want a fun fit fab box whatever version of runway like we got it of the of the library. Thank you this for season. that. Thank, you know what's funny? When Fab Fit Fun happened, everybody was like, it, "I mean, it was fine. It was like a basic improv challenge, and it was like a one on one improv challenge. Here's just like some props to like yeah escalate yourself. Like, and if you can't do anybody who's taken improv one on one could do that." I thought it was like, oh, we're create, we're doing this like promotion reading challenge like improv challenge, but I was still fully anticipating the reading challenge to come. And when it was like, oh, you're, it's not like you're getting a different version of a type of, of an improv challenge that's like a reading challenge and a reading challenge. It's the replacement. I was like, heresy, heresy, absolutely not. You can't have drag race without the library yeah. because reading is fundamental. Thank you, Queen. Oblivia, what did you think of the sort of wrap-up of the episode, Derek going home and no runway? Um, I wasn't as... I wasn't as up in arms about no runway as you were. You know, runway is fine, but there's so much else in a Dry Christ episode I like better. I know that going forward, it would be very weird not to have runways, so... You know, I may feel a little unmoored if there keeps not being a runway, but I didn't exactly miss it. I thought that 
what was in the episode with the queens coming in and then the library and then the talent show challenge and getting to know the queens. I thought that was all more important to me than a runway going forward. Yeah, I know it's a part of it and so it'll feel weird if it's not there, but I won't feel the same. Oh, honey, if it's not there just because I'm not as into the fashion side of yeah. it as I know you yeah, are. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And then as far as, as as far as the end of it, you know, Derek said his piece and left. And I don't remember much specifically about the piece that he said. But just I still cannot help but watch when every single queen gets eliminated. I feel like... I feel like Miss Vanjie made trying to make a splash when leaving a thing. and She also then made it impossible for everyone else because no one's ever going to do better. It's <laughs> not impossible. Oh, it's no. just a high bar. <laughs> yeah, I just, and you know, anything that even tangentially reminds me of Miss Vanjie, I'm happy. And I'm not saying what he did reminded me of Miss Vanjie. I'm just saying that, you know... Try, like, trying to make a splash, like, trying to live up to that bar of Miss Vanjie, yeah. just knowing that, knowing that leaving puts Miss Vanjie in everybody else's heads, puts Miss Vanjie in my head, and that makes me happy. Totally. I totally get that. All right. So, end of the premiere, beginning of All-Stars 5, I'm going to say right now, I am super excited. I love a bunch of these girls. I think it's going to be a weird season, because we have some people who are, like, heavy fucking hitters. Who I think are heavy hitters enough that they might, like, not just give RuPaul what he wants and do something a little different, which might jeopardize their stakes. And then we have some girls who are, like, older queens who are very good, but might have been resting on their laurels and not necessarily at this level. Also, the machinations of the jury and the lip-sync assassin adds a whole other wrench to it, but... You know me, I'm always here really for the drag. I am super excited for this season, and I feel like I feel like Shea Coulee is the articulate black queer pride queen we all need right now. We don't deserve her, but we need her, and I am very happy to see her. Um, I'm really excited for this season. How are you guys feeling? I'm, I'm very excited to see Shea win. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's... I think this season, especially now, has the potential to be something really curative is the wrong word, but like he- healing sounds over dramatic, but just a real positive good, like a really positive thing that's not positive because I'm ignoring the world, but engaging with it the way it should be. Totally, totally. And it's funny when you said that about Shay, because I always, and I, I've stopped saying this so much, but like before we started doing this podcast, I used to always say, RuPaul Charles knows how to cast a play, and you can see that in the decisions. And as soon as you made that comment about Shay, I paused and I thought, oh my god, RuPaul is absolutely trying to recreate All-Stars 2 and has cast Shay Coulee as Alaska and Miss Cracker as Katya. And I've got to tell you right now, perfect casting. Yeah, I'll watch that. i watch that show. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> there we are. Oblivia, how are you feeling? I am really excited to see this season unfold. I, like I said at the beginning, I am very excited to see Blair back and very gagged by her new bitchy persona. Totally here for it. Excited to see Cracker again. Excited to get to know Shea Coulee because I don't and I know you both absolutely love her. And, you know, even 
a couple of the queens who I was like, I'm not expecting to see anything from you unless you've really stepped things up. I mean, which is to say, Mariah and Mayhem. They both did things that made me actually more interested to see them and see what they can do going forward. Yeah. And that makes me even more excited about the season. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I will say, I mean, and I feel like, Ursula, you have definitely had critiques on Mariah and her sort of criticism of drag different from her own since season three, three came out. Yeah. We've been friends a long time. Yeah. I, I, and... I am not putting this on you. I think you were <laughs> rightly responding to what was portrayed at the time. I do think on some level that sort of cemented like a narrow box for Mariah. And I feel yeah. like episode one, Mariah stepped right outside of that fucking box yeah. in a way that is going to make me pay closer attention to her. Um, yeah. Yeah. And good for her. Um, who? Okay. So Ursula, who are your tops for the season? Who are your like, Give me a speculative top three. Shade, Juju, Cracker. Okay. Same, obviously. But I also know that's, like, the top three I want. Yeah. And I think Alexis is, like, up there. I mean, yeah, I want to see... Yeah, I could see Alexis being in a top... Yeah, Alexis in a top four. And I don't know who would leave that top four first. But I'm excited for a season that pits Jujubee, a staggeringly great queen from a different era of drag race and Shay, who is just amazing being narrated by cracker. Cause cracker got a lot of the talking heads this time. And I wasn't mad about that because cracker gives good talking head. Yeah. So did Juju actually. Yeah. Juju also gives good yeah. talking head. Also, I have a little, th- I have a thing for it. Like one of my many types for, I am just a enormous slut is nerdy Jewish boy. So all cracker out of drag is like, He's not, like, the hottest, but something about him, like, oh, you're adorable, and I, we could date and eat carbs together. I don't know, just... So I, I see and I agree with all of that, except I don't think you're an enormous slut. I think you're a wonderful human being <laughs> who sees beauty in many varieties of men. Um, <laughs> Can't you be both a slut and a wonderful human being? I mean, the most wonderful human beings are sluts. Sure, we yes. S- we spread happiness and occasionally <laughs> yeah. chlamydia, but mostly happiness. Um... <laughs> Indeed. Oblivia, who are your tops for this season? And feel free to be, con- like, girl, I love contrarian. Serve <laughs> me some contrarian. Tell me I'm wrong. Say Shay's going home next week. Go ahead. Go off. Well, that's the thing. I think it's I think it's so early that anything I throw out as a top three would be super preliminary. That's we're, the word yeah, I was we're not gonna for. We're not going to, like, call you out in a week or something. Oh no, like it's it's not even it's not even a question of you calling me out on it. It's a question of I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around who I think is going to be in the top three. I mean, Juju B is Juju B is the one who jumps out at me as far as I think I think she's going to make top three. I mean, she killed it this episode. She has a long record of killing it, and I think she is going to continue to kill it. And you know, beyond her, I know, you know, I, I agree with you that Cracker and Shay would be no surprise. Um, beyond them, you know, I'm I'm obviously pulling for Blair because I love her. And then I think Alexis is, I think Alexis is probably going to make it fairly far. I mean, she feels like 
She feels like an institution by now, totally. and those institutions seem to make it fairly far in all-star seasons. So, you know, those are... I, I know I know that's not much of a that's not much of a top three. I mean, but those are those are the preliminary ones I've got my eye on yeah. either for that's a top because half. they that's fit. Fine. Yeah. Be, yeah, it's a top half. Well, I mean, either because they fit the mold or in the case of Blair, because I stand. Well, even I gotta, for like Alexis, it's just you know, like her look this week could be read as being very standard, but it was done so well and with such energy that you don't mind that. Like she. Looking and looking back on like her previous All Star run and her season, she was just always able to turn in like even her solid like her middle of the road work was still impeccably well done and really fun to watch. It never gets that that tinge of sad or tired. That and also I think whenever you ask her to do something that's outside of her wheelhouse, clearly in the like in the confessionals she'll be like. I don't know what I'm doing. I this and this. I'm I'm trying. Like there's a there will be an acknowledgement of like this is outside of my wheelhouse. I'm thinking this and this like which isn't really complaining. It's like acknowledging where she is. Nonetheless, in whatever challenge it is that's outside of her wheelhouse, she folds herself, throws herself in entirely and tries her best. Like yeah. there's none of that. I'm not an actress. Like the, she doesn't do any of that. Yeah. She she might acknowledge I am not an actress, but I'm... It's like, I am not an actress, but I'm going to try my damnedest to act this, which is like... Right, it, and it doesn't It doesn't come off with that, like, A student quality we talk about sometimes, where it's like, she knows how to do the work to make the product good, but it doesn't yeah. come off with this, like, please like me, teacher's pet energy. It's it. She is one of my favorite drag queens. It's Yeah, it's not, it's not Jan adjacent. Yeah, I wasn't going to say her name. Um, but uh, I, I really just, like, she's definitely one of those queens I will go see if she's in town. Because it's just, I'm going to watch, like, very good drag done very well by a very good person. And even if it never gets the, the heights or the, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, innovation, maybe? It's still just going to be... A fucking good time. So I, yeah, I'm happy yeah. Alexis is back. I do need her to contour her new jawline. <laughs> I really want to see, like, I'm curious what Alexis will do in the future episodes, just because I think everything that she did in episode one between her walk-in and then, you know, the dance and the outfit, her talent show thing, it was just very... Very on brand what I expected from Alexis Mateo. And I would like to see, I would like to see what she does that goes beyond that, but I also know that she's been through this rodeo enough times that I'm reasonably confident that she will. Yeah. I th- I don't know how much she necessarily instigates pushing herself outside of her wheelhouse, but I think when she gets pushed out of her wheelhouse, she always figures out how to land on her feet. Yeah. Which is a great statement. There wasn't anything that there wasn't anything in this episode that really forced her outside her right, wheelhouse, right. so she didn't go there. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. All right, well, I think that's it for me. Unless either of you have any closing thoughts you would like to add. I'm I'm glad Drag Race is here. It is. Uh, it's both a way to count that time has in fact gone by, uh, and time has meaning. And it is a nice thing to watch right now to 
watch queer people and queer people of color get to be great at things and be praised for them and get money for them. So, yeah, I'm putting a lot on this season of Drag Race. I haven't needed a show to make me feel better like this since, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation, but here I am. Bye. (laughs) I get that. I completely understand. That makes sense. All right. um, Thank you so much, Oblivia, for joining us. We really, really appreciate you. We always enjoy having you here and sharing your thoughts and opinions. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Um, All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. If you uh, send us a message on Instagram at Reading Drag Race Podcast, or if you leave a five-star review on iTunes, we will read it on the podcast. Those reviews really help us. That's it for now. I've been Condé Nasty. I'm Hersel Lucia, bitch. Bye. Bye!